Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Father, I just thank you so much for your for your plan, for the things that you have for each and every individual on this planet. I thank you, God, that you have planned out, like you planned the stars' paths, you planned the path for each and every individual, and you have a good, good plan for each one. Father, as we talk today about your goodness and about your uh, ministry to people, Father, I'm asking you that it not be a story of history, but it would be a story of today, that it would minister to each person, that not one person would hear about your love, would hear about your miracles, would hear about the things that you do and leave this place unchanged, but that each one of us would be marked, Father, by your holy presence, would be changed by your holy word, and would live our lives to bring glory to you and to accomplish the plan of God in each of our lives. I thank you for it. I thank you for the blood of Jesus, and I yield myself to you to minister your word in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're very excited about um, being able to talk about Acts chapter 8. Pastor Pete started last week with verses 1 through 4. We're going to pick up again in verse 4 just because it lays out what's going on, and then we're going to move right along. Um, So... uh, I am reading out of, I think I've got some slides, are they up there yet? I've got some slides coming. Um, I'm going to be reading out of a combination of the King James, the Passion, and the Amplified, and the New King James. So rather than mix it all up and have y'all have to move your your stuff around, I just went ahead and made some slides to kind of help pass it along and figure out what we're doing. So persecution caused the spread of the word. Pastor Pete finished up with, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the Word of God wherever they went. So as they're moving along, they are ministering. Now, anybody ever seen any persecution? Nobody in here has faced persecution? That is amazing. That's what, anybody, anybody been persecuted? Anybody stood up for the faith that had somebody come against them? Maybe a time or two? Yes? Okay, people starting. Okay, waking up. Okay, this is an interactive message here, okay? I need your interaction. Okay, so they were persecuted, and it was so bad they left. People died based on that persecution, okay? If you look in the news today, there's persecution. There's people who have died by persecution even this last week. But you know what? That's the enemy's plan. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. So as I was preparing, as I was listening to the Lord, I had a word of encouragement that I want to start with, and then we're going to talk about what God says. Because this is what the enemy has, persecution. enemy wants to stop you from being who God called you to be. He wants to stop you, cause you to be fearful, cause you to be uh, quiet, cause you to stop whatever it is that God has planned for you to do. All right? So the Lord was speaking to me this week, and he said, I heard the updates at 4, 5, 6, and 10, which would be the news times. They come at you all the time. But I say, you have not yet seen my news come to pass in the earth realm. My news is good news. Salvations. Miracles, healings, restorations, blessings, glory. Yes and amen. These news announcements are coming and even are here, but have not yet hit the news cycles. But they will. For they will be so prevalent that the news will be irrelevant if they do not speak of it. And so they must... And the newscasters themselves will become a part of my glory story. The story of my glory in the earth realm. So get ready. 
it's about to burst forth. For where sin abounds, grace doth, grace doth much more abound. So the Father of all, the Father of glory, has said, this is his story. This is his story of glory. What is the glory? His presence. His weighty presence. His way. His way. Doing things his way. It brings him glory. When things that are not his way get changed around to be moving his way, it brings him glory. So that's what we're talking about today. So the enemy starts with persecution, but that's not God's plan. That's not where we're started. So Philip traveled to Samaria, a city, uh, to the Samaritan city, and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. Now, Samaria can be a region or a city in that region. Um, so Philip is a deacon. He's, remember Stephen, the one that started the persecution was when, it, when Stephen got stoned? Well, Stephen and uh, Philip were prayed over and became deacons the, first, the same day. Okay, those were, the two, those were two of the seven that were set apart. So Philip, one of the seven, goes to Samaria. That's where he, that's where he heads to. He's forced to flee persecution because of the first persecution, and the Jews had just rejected the good news. Okay, so Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, we here in Alabama, this is the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, we're in everything else. Anybody that's not Judea, I mean, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So if you pull up the, the map. All right, so here is a map of Israel at the time of uh, the New Testament that, that was written, okay? So the little line at the bottom with the lake, that is um, the, that's the Dead Sea. Goes straight up from that line in the middle. That's Jerusalem in the yellow. Straight up from there in the red arrow to it, that's Samaria. Okay, so Jerusalem, immediately around Jerusalem is Judea. Samaria is the top part. So let's talk a little bit about the Samaria, things that will happen in it that kind of help you know what we're talking about. All right, in about a thousand years before, all of this had been one nation, Israel. They, uh, Solomon died, remember David, and then Solomon was his son. He was in the kingdom, and it was all peaceful, and everything was wonderful for 40 whole years. It was fantastic. Then Solomon died, and his sons had a bunch of fits and couldn't handle things, and the, the nations broke apart and began into two nations. Samaria became the capital of the second nation. Jerusalem was the capital of Judea. They kept, I mean, Ju excuse me, Judah. They kept that na that name, and the northern nation became Israel. Israel was around for several hundred years. In the length of time that they were um, a kingdom, all right, because they had a king, they were a kingdom. They had twenty, fifteen, twenty different kings over a couple of hundred years. Okay, not one king, not one king followed. Jesus. Oh, they followed God. Not one. They worshipped Baal. They worshipped uh, basically any God from anybody around, they'd pull them in. Okay? But at the very first, when they very first split apart, they said, we're going to be just like, we're going to be just like Jerusalem. You're going to be just fine. But that first, first king, you know what he did? He said, there's no reason for you to go worship God in Jerusalem, like it said in the Torah, in the Bible. There's no reason for you to do that. Because what he was doing, what they were doing was they would go three times a year, they would honor God, and they would go down to Jerusalem and worship God at the temple in Jerusalem, like the prophets had told them to do. Like Moses had told them to do in the prophets, they said, go to Jerusalem, worship. All right? Go to the temple. So that's what they did. And they were used to doing that because they've been doing it with David. They've been doing it with Solomon. Now, they're now they've got a new king. Those things have split up. You know what? It's okay. We're going to have free flow. We can go down there. And they said, you know, you can do that. But I'm going to make it easier on you. So he built another temple. You remember the lady at the well? 
that's that Jesus ministered to, and she's like, but we say we're supposed to worship here, and y'all say you're supposed to worship only in Jerusalem. That's where it started, thousands of years, uh, a thousand years before. They're arguing over where to worship. Do you go to church? Can you worship at home? We still have that same battle. We still have that same battle. Is it just, you know what, it's just easier if you stay at home and, and you know, you can, you can, God is still God, you can worship him at home. Yeah, but he said, go to Jerusalem. So they started back then, thousand years before this story, okay, thousand years before Philip gets here, they started watering down what God said and they kept it up. Instead of the priest being holy, they had, they, you know, they kind of mixed in a few extra things, and it was okay. You know, it's all right if I worship God, and then I go do things that I know God hates the rest of the week, and then I come back and do what God said. That's okay. He knows my heart. He knows. Yes, he does. He does know your heart, and we're going to talk about that today. He knows your heart. And he knows if you're sold out to him, like the lady that Heidi talked about, who gave everything, who, by the way, was delivered of seven demons. That's another one that was one of those miracles in that room. She was Mary Magdala, who was the brother of, I mean, the sister of Lazarus, who was delivered from seven demons. Come on. This woman had a past. (laughs) She wasn't like, you know, always wonderful. How many of you have things that you'd rather everybody in the room not know? (laughs) You know, everybody does. We all, nobody wants everybody in the room to know something. Not everything. But God knows everything, and he still loves us. And that is awesome. That is so powerful. So, that's the history of Samaria. They had, they also were split out um, at, when the Assyrians took over. They took, um, they basically, the Assyrians, about 300 years after the start of the kingdom, maybe a little less than 150 years maybe, they, they took over. The Assyrians came in because there was so much sin. They came in, took over, and their... Um, their way of assimilating and stopping any kind of rebellions against them was deportation. They came in, they took all the Jews, especially the wealthy ones and the ones who had any influence whatsoever, and they moved them out and scattered them across the entire nation, the entire empire. And then they did that for other groups of people and brought them in and said, you're going to live here now. They just moved people around. And that way, they weren't with their friends, they weren't with their group, they weren't in the group that they knew of, so they couldn't get everybody together and cause a rebellion. And that's how they controlled the people. All right? So the people that were moved there were told, we don't understand. They, they said, hey, we don't know what the gods here. They sent a letter to the king of Assyria and said, we don't know the gods here. We don't know what's going on. But there's some stuff happening here. So he went and found some... Uh, Jewish, we'll say Jewish rabbis, because they were Jewish rabbis, but they were Jewish rabbis who didn't follow the word. And he brought them in and said, I'm going to make them priests, and they're going to be priests, and they're going to teach all about these, how to work around here, how, what God is in control here. And they mixed up parts of the word of God and parts of the pagan beliefs, and they mushed it all together and made up their own belief system. You ever done that? I mean, come on. How many times have we said, God's okay with this? It's all right. We're going to be fine. You know what? Yeah, I know the Word says that. But, well, you know what else the Word says? If you know what the Word says to do and you don't do it, that's sin. If you didn't know that the Word said that and you did it, it might not be sin to you because you didn't know. You weren't breaking a rule. You, weren't, you hadn't been told. Okay? So if your five-year-old gets in the car and tries to drive it, it's not really a sin. It's a big mistake. And there can be horribly, horrible repercussions for it. But it's not a willful sin like it is if your 15-year-old gets in the car and tries to drive it off and go someplace. That's different. No offense, Pastor Pete. That's, that's different. That's a willful sin. Okay? 
So we don't make up new stuff to make it easier on us. Pastor Pete said last week, we don't try to, um, how was it he said it? Um, Manipulate things for our comfort, I think is what he said. Strategize your comfort. Don't strategize your comfort. Follow the anointing. Follow what God said. Don't strategize your comfort. All right, so all of this to say these people had heard about God, but they didn't know God. They had been told things about God that weren't true. They had heard things about God that were just lies. They didn't know where to worship him. They didn't know how to worship him. They didn't know what he wanted, and they didn't know how to give it to him. Look out in the world around you. How many people have neighbors like that? How many people do we walk by in the grocery stores on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Thursday evening? How many people are serving you at a restaurant, and they... Don't know which way is up. And we are not doing what Philip did. We're not going out and telling them. We don't want to offend them. We don't want to... We, they might not like it. Are they going to throw stones at you and kill you? How much do you love God? How dedicated are you? How dedicated am I? Am I willing to hit like on something that could offend somebody? But not tell somebody face to face, hey, this is, you got to change this. God loves you, but that's, that's not going to get you where you want to go. And are we so superficial that we don't have a single friend we can talk to outside of this church that doesn't know God already? Have we cut off anybody that doesn't believe like us and think like us and act like us because you're just not worthy? Guys, that's what the Pharisees did. That's what the Pharisees did. And I'm not trying to come down hard. I'm just, this is life. It's not a history book, although it is history. It is alive, and it is for us for today. And I do not want one of us to walk out of this room and not be changed, not make a decision. I, I am going to do this, that, and such and such. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Y'all got to decide what you're going to do. But one day I'm going to stand before God for this message. And I'm going to tell him what y'all, I'm going to tell y'all what he told me to say so that I'm good. Because I do not want to be held accountable for not telling you the truth. And I do not want to be held accountable for not telling the worker that I read into. He says, hey, tell them that you've got a, tell them you got a word for them. Tell them you've got an encouraging word for them. Tell them God loves them. You know, he may not, he... He may not tell you to go over to him and tell him, hey, I know you live at this address. I mean, sometimes you can get weird, you know? But if he's telling you, you got something burning in you, and you know you're supposed to say it, and you don't, you'll stand before him over it. And no one of us wants that. It's better to speak a loving word and encourage somebody than withhold that. And God have to pass this over to somebody else. I don't want to do that. All right. So this is what's going on in Samaria. So let's move on. Ooh, I just ran through notes. All right. Next, next verse. Verse 6. The crowds gathered and were paying close attention to everything Philip said as they heard the message and saw the miraculous signs which he was doing, validating his message. The New King James says, multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken. They listened to him. They listened to him. They were eager to hear. They were eager to hear. Uh, next verse. The crowds were eager to receive 
Philip's message and were persuaded by the miracle by the many miracles and wonders he performed. In this in this verse, I got a little asterisk by that word receive. That's the Aramaic suggests they did more than just hear. They silenced anyone who said anything against Philip's message. Cancer culture started right there. It was actually before that, but there's an example. No, sometimes, you know, how many times have you said, oh, I don't want to say that because, you know, I might get canceled. Well, how about we cancel what the enemy is saying and speak truth? How about we stand up and say, no, my God says that's not, that is not truth. You can do it in love, but we have to speak truth and we have to stand up. When people believe a lie, we have to speak up and say truth. It's harmful to them to believe a lie. All right. So it gets real. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks, and many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. Y'all think about that a minute. Picture that. I have a, I was talking with Beth last night, and she said, Mom, I know that you have, like, you think in words. Like, you think in words. I know that other people think in pictures. How many people think in pictures? Raise your hand up. You got, your, you got pictures in your mind running as I read this. Many demon-possessed people, I wonder what demon-possessed people look like, were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. This is not a quiet service going on. Loud screams and shrieks, not by the people, the demons, were screaming as they left the people. Okay, so if you're questioning, like, is this real? Is it, what, does the Bible really say that? Take a picture of that screen, because Mark 1, 26, Mark 9, 17 through 27, and Luke 4, 32 through 36, all talk about demons screaming when Jesus cast them out. Okay? We picture Jesus' ministry was he went around and he was just really nice and he said, y'all, I bless you, and he taught. He also had deliverance meetings. There were deliverance meetings. Well, I don't know anybody that's, you know, demon-possessed. I don't know anybody personally that was demon-possessed that I can guarantee. But I can tell you personally, I have been demon-oppressed myself. It's real. It's real. How was I demon oppressed? I preached about it. I don't know. One of my first sermons I preached about that. And uh, because it's such a real thing to me. There is a real kingdom of darkness and they really are after you and they really are trying to oppress you. If they cannot possess you, which you belong to Jesus, you cannot be possessed anymore. But if they can sit on top of you and hold you down, they will do it. Don't let them. How do you not let them? The words of your mouth, meditations of your heart, the things that come out of your, your will. What will you allow? Will you allow God full reign in your life? Or will you allow the enemy to come in and manipulate and lie and make you fearful? That's what I was oppressed with, was the spirit of fear. I wasn't afraid of everything. I wasn't afraid most of the time. Just snakes. Pastor Peter, Pastor Allen remembers, just snakes. It was just snakes. I grew up in the country. I was around snakes. I mean, you had to be aware of them all the time. My sister was bitten by a snake. I wasn't scared of them. She wasn't scared of them. She knew she was bitten by a snake. She lived through it. She was fine. They couldn't even give her any medicine. They just took her to the hospital, and they didn't know what snake it was, so they couldn't do anything for her. But I wasn't scared of them. I respected the fact that they were there. I wasn't stupid wasn't dumb about it, but I wasn't fearful. And then one day, someone, as a joke, put a snake on my shoulder. It was a plastic snake. It shouldn't have even made me afraid. But I screamed, and I jumped, and I laughed. Thought it was funny. 
tried to laugh it off. But that day, a spirit of fear entered my body, entered my spirit. I was saved, but I was such a baby Christian. But anytime, anytime anything had the potential from that day for the next 18 years, 18 years from that day, anytime there was a snake presented, I saw a snake, I thought there might be a snake, I would freak out. I literally had people calling 911 and pulling out guns because they thought we were having a robbery because I saw a snake in my reaction. Okay? I could tell stand-up comedy about the horrible things that this spirit prompted me to do. That I would never, ever, ever, in my natural mind, in my natural senses, in my natural behavior, I would never act like that. So is there anything in your life you just flat out can't get control of? And you just go off? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a certain behavior, an addiction. Have you opened the door for an enemy to come in and put his thumb on you and hold you down and stop you from doing what you want to do, what you know you should do? Let me tell you how I got free. I tried everything natural. Everything. I tried all the things. I took psychology classes in college. I mean everything they tried in that book. I tried. Everything. If they said, this is how you can get over fear. I tried it. Didn't work. None of it. None of it. Going into a building with all the snakes and going through the snake house and looking at them. Seeing a snake in the public. I freak people out. I would act a fool, a flat-out crazy fool, because I had no control. I was completely, at that moment, for that five seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, completely controlled by that enemy. How did I get free? The words of my mouth, and I decided in my heart, I will not fear. I didn't say, I'm just not going to be afraid of snakes. I mean, I tried that. It didn't work. I'm just not. I'm just not. You know what? I know better. I'm, sm- I'm smarter than this. I know better. Mm-mm. That didn't work. But when I saw in the Word, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's one. Not going to lack. But in the Word where it says, fear not, for I'm with you, Oh, wait. Fear not. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. Don't fear. Just like Psalm 23 says a command. Don't lack. Don't lack. It's a command. Why? Because your heavenly Father has everything and all you have to do is ask Him and He will provide it. But it's a choice that we make. Am I going to believe the enemy's lies that I have no control over my behavior when a snake is in the room or presented to me? Or am I going to believe that my God said, don't fear, so I cannot fear? All right? So I said, I will not fear. I will not. And guess what? Within 30 minutes, say 30 minutes. That's a shorter period of time than I have been talking up here right now. Okay? Less time than I have been talking so far, the enemy tested me. Oh, are you really going to fear? I bet you I can make you fear. So when you make this decision and you said, I'm not doing that anymore, don't think you're not going to be tested. Don't think you're not going to be tested. See, that was the thing I didn't know. But then I learned because for 18 years I'd been pressing into God, asking Him, God, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And by the way, all of this was before I got here, and y'all already, our pastors knew it and knew how to tell people about it. And it was like, if I had only known, if I had only known. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't know it was a spirit until it left. (laughs) But when it left, 
after I said, I will not fear. I don't care that I have fear in my feelings. I feel fear. I feel like I'm going to be sick. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I feel like I should run. I said, I will not run. I will not fear. I am not. I am not. I will not give in. My husband knows I can, when I put my foot down and I say, I'm not doing it, nothing's moving me. I'm not doing it. He's so sweet. He's so wonderful. But he's seen it happen. Nope, we're not doing that. Not happening. But you know what? It's when the enemy comes in. I'm not having that. We're not having that. We're not putting up with that. You've got to get determined and quit letting the enemy beat you up like he beat me up. I'm telling you from this point of, from, from the, I've been there. When he beats you up over and over and over and over again, and you feel like you're a boxer getting back in the ring and just getting bloodied until the next bell rings and you crawl over and you're, you just don't even think you can make it again. No, that is not the kind of life that we're talking about. Demons flee. The Bible does not say Christians will be able to hold out against the gates of hell. No! It says the gates of hell will not be able to hold out against the church. That means the church is on the offensive going in and saying, I'm going to kick butt and take names. Not, oh wow, I hope he doesn't wake up and beat me up again today. No, no, no. Church, stand up. Stand up for yourself. You're worth it. Jesus stood up for you. Now it's your turn. He said, okay, I'm standing up. I'm giving you the kings to the kingdom. Now you take it from here. I'll back you with all the forces of the kingdom of God. All the forces of light. So what did I do? I stood up. I will not fear. I will not fear. And when I made that decision, yes, I was tested. But it really, honestly, honestly, that spirit that controlled me for 18 years was a wimp of a spirit. He had no power against my will tied up with God's Word. And he has no power against your will tied up against God's Word. Because the kingdom of heaven has already defeated the kingdom of darkness. We don't have to be punching bags. We don't. All right. So... Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. When the demon oppression has to go, so does the sickness. How many of y'all want to see that? I want to see that. I want to see that today. Think of... How many people do you know that have some kind of a body affliction? Think about them. Picture them in your mind. All you people who think in mind pictures, think in your mind. Pull your phone out and type that person's name in your notes. How about somebody who you know is being controlled by something outside of them. A sickness, a disease, a fear, something oppressing them, an addiction. Keep their names out. We're going to pray for them at the end of the service. But we're going to pray for this to happen in their lives. Because it's time for us to say no more. No more. Church, we can't keep going the same way and doing the same thing and expect different results. At some point, we have to stand up. God already stood up. And he's going, come on, church. Come on. Come on. I'm raising you up. You've been trained. You've been taught. You've been given the word. And haven't we? Have we been given the word? The privileges that we've gotten being in this church? But... To those who are given much, much is expected. We, we can't just drink it all in and get fat and happy. we got to pour it out. We don't want to be the Dead Sea. 
We want to be the river of life flowing out of us into others. All right, verse 8. This resulted in an uncontainable joy filling the city. The city. Not the little house they were in. The city. Do we want joy in our city? Can you picture what it would look like for joy to be in Millbrook? How about Prattville? Can you stretch your mind and go, Montgomery too? Can we pull our faith together and say, you know, when Mr. Bill's going out and ministering places, how about if we have him where he just has to be like directing traffic instead of arresting people and tracking down criminals? Because the city is filled with joy? It's happened before. There have been revivals in our country's history where the jails were emptied, the courts were emptied, and they started using them for praise houses. It's true. It's true. After great sorrow and pain in Jerusalem, there came miracles. They listened and they heard and they saw. The word was preached. There's good news and great joy. Great joy. Great joy. What does great joy look like? Think about it. What does great joy look like? That's nice, God. Do you think that looks like great joy? No. No, that's not great joy. Great joy has an outward expression. They could see there was great joy. There was behavior of great joy. All right. Verses 9 through 11. Simon, the Samar- uh, Simon, and I have the Samaritan sorcerer. Okay, remember all that history I told you? They had the mixed arts and the occult and the worship of all these other things. And they'd had it for hundreds of years. And now here's Simon the sorcerer. He's a sorcerer. The Bible calls him a sorcerer. Which means he got his power not from the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light, but from the kingdom of darkness. He was one of those possessed ones, probably. Oppressed at the very least. But he yielded to it willingly. All right? Sorry that that's a little... Is that a little small? Sorry. Okay. There was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Notice who claimed he was someone great. He did. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, quote, this man is the great power of God. Not he has the great power of God. He is the great power of God. Ooh, that's not like that. Mm. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with, their, with his sorceries for a long time. The Amplified said he had mystified and dazzled them with his magic. Mystified and dazzled. They couldn't figure it out. But it wasn't coming from a good place. So whenever there's real power, the enemy's trying to, he's going to try to copy it. He did it with Moses, with the sorcerers then. He does it today. He's going to try to control. He's going to try to manipulate, and he's going to try to lie. You have to know truth. I have to know truth. We don't want to get off. That's why if you hear something and you're like, oh, this is a wonderful revelation, share it with your pastors. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Because God is revealing truth now. But we've got to stay with His Word, His written Word. We've got to stay on the written Word. It cannot be something wonderful and new that is contradictory to His Word. Can't do it. Cannot do it. All right. So... The specific word that is used for Simon the sorcerer 
suggests he was a magi, which is a class of scientists and astronomers, but local wizards and sorcerers took this title, used it to prey on ignorance and superstitions of the common people. Hmm. Well, you know the word says, you got to know the word to know what the word says. Because people, I've heard people recently taking the scriptures and twisting it and making it into something it's not. We can't do that. you got to know what the Word says. All right? So I'm going to advocate for reading your Bible. Get to know the God of the Word. Get to know what He says. And I know you guys do, but dig in. Dig in deeper. Don't just skim over it. Stop it and ask, well, God, what do you say about this? What are you showing me about this? Listen to him. Pastor Allen talks about turning the radio off when you get in the car. and Listen. Listen while he's talking to you. Our God speaks. That's one of the most awesome things about him. He speaks. All right. Baptisms erupt as the Samaritans hear the good news and see miracles. So here's this Simon. He's given his testimony. I was a sorcerer, I was doing this, people called me this, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. He literally became a disciple of Philip. Like, he didn't just get saved and go, okay. No. Signs and bedazzling things were his life. And here comes somebody who has more power. It's coming from a good place. It's from a good spirit. And he's going, I got to know about this. I've understood some things of the spirit realm, but I do not know this God. I have to know this God. And he followed Philip around looking for what? Trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure it out. And learning. So there's nothing that says in this, nothing whatsoever, not a hint in any of the words that Simon's conversion was not genuine. Nothing about it. There's nothing in it that says that. He was baptized, he, be he believed and was baptized, and they were saved. There's nothing in it that says any of them weren't completely saved. They were saved. They, believed, they heard the word, they believed in their hearts, and they were baptized. Okay? That's what we teach today is how you get saved, right? You hear the word, you believe in your heart, you confess him with your mouth, and they were baptized to show the world, I believe. All right? Uh, next slide, please, ma'am. Acts 8, 14 through 17 gives us a really powerful insight into the church of the day. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, remember the apostles didn't leave Jerusalem. It said the church fled, but the apostles stayed. Pastor Pete talked about that last week. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, why did they send them? Was it, it wasn't because, the word tells us, we're going to read it in just a second, but it wasn't because... Oh, that Philip, he just doesn't know what he's doing, going out there teaching the Samaritans. No. No, they were excited, and they sent help because the city believed. It was more than one man could handle. All right? Who, verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, they got saved. There's a difference between getting saved and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. I was listening to a minister this week. He's a, um, he's a minister, but he is also a uh, brain surgeon. 
Dr. Avery Jackson. And if you want to hear about it, I'll give you the link to it. It was a really, really powerful but super in-depth um, thing. Um, I, Mr. Bud, I thought about you when I heard this. This, I think, would be something you'd enjoy. Um, he talked about some scientific studies on people praying in the Spirit. Okay? They hooked up some different brain scan things and did studies. I believe it was at the University of Virginia, actually, but I'm not certain. Um, and they did some studies, and they said when a person was talking, like I'm talking now, that the frontal lobe, this part of your head right here, is like firing, lighting up. Boy, this is what's going on. It's working. Your brain is working right out of here when you're talking. But if you're listening, the sides of your brain around your ears, huh, imagine that. God has it worked out where it's, you know, close. Around your ears is firing, okay? When you're listening, not when you're speaking. So when you speak, it's here. When you listen, it's working here. But when you're praying in tongues, it's firing here. It's not firing up here. Because it's not your words. You're listening for Holy Spirit to what He says. And so the brain is using a listening. I'm like, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And it's the science catching up with what God already said. Listen to what Holy Spirit is saying. You know what else he said? He said, yield. Yield to Holy Spirit. How do you yield? You can tell if you're yielding. I never heard this before, but as soon as he said it, it was like, oh, wow, that is truth. When you yield, you don't have all those intrusive thoughts coming in. Well, this isn't worth anything. This is fake. You're just wasting time. Mm, yield some more. Yield some more. Press in more. Block out what's distracting you and focus in on Holy Spirit. Not here. Here. He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. So if you're praying in the Spirit and you've got these thoughts coming and all over here, guess what? Just press in more. Press in more. Let God rule. All right. So they, the church at Samaria, I mean at Jerusalem, sent them Peter and John. Now, the last time Jesus walked through there, um, there was, well, there was a time when Jesus walked through there that, uh, let's see, Peter and James and John were with them, and James and John called, wanted Jesus to call down fire because they didn't accept the word. Well, he planted a seed, and they accepted the word later. Don't burn them up because you... They hadn't had time to grow. Plant the word, plant the word, plant the word. Don't curse them because they hadn't made it yet. <laughs> All right? But there was also the Good Samaritan, the woman at the well. We already talked about the history of Samaria. All those things happened in this place. It's a very history-filled place. But what the church said, because at one point they didn't even want to walk through the place. Now they're going to help them. Why? Because they didn't have Holy Spirit yet. And Holy Spirit is the one thing, the one part of the Godhead that Jesus came so we could have. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus came to save us so that we could reach heaven again because we were broken and separated from Him by sin. And Jesus said, Jesus said, it is better for me, or it's better for you, it's better for you if I depart. Because if I stay here, Holy Spirit can't come. Holy Spirit can't come. I guess this earth probably couldn't handle, in its fallen state, two-thirds of the Godhead all at once. Because Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He is just as much God as Jesus is. He is just as much God as Father God is. He is a part of the Godhead. They are three in one. 
He's not like, you know, a lesser version or, you know, like God light. No. No, he is God. And he is here and he is saying to us, yield to me. Let me direct your life. Let me direct your thoughts. Let me direct your path. Let me help you get where God the Father wants you to go. That's what he said. Let me show you all the wonderful things that Jesus did for you. It's more than a get out of hell free card. Salvation is more than that. It's not a little bit. Salvation is everything. It is so powerful. We haven't tapped into it. But let's press in and say, okay, God, I want you to be my Lord. And what you tell me to do, I'll do. And where you tell me to go, I'll go. And what you tell me to say, I'll say. And when you tell me to be quiet, I will be quiet. So there is a time for correction. God corrects his children that he loves. And Simon had an oopsie and needed correction. So verses 18 through 23, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands, on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. There was an offer. I'll pay you for this power. Anybody else we think about recently? Remember Ananias and Sapphira? I'll give you some money, but I'm going to keep the rest back. Isn't it interesting how the two strongest rebukes in the book of Acts and the first eight chapters have to do with wrong thinking about money? Isn't that interesting? Wrong thinking about money. You cannot buy God. And if you love money more than God, you're in the wrong way. He was trying to use money to get closer to God. You can't do it. Your tithes and offerings do not buy God. He is not for sale. It's not. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. Verse 24. Simon's desire, Peter's rebuke, Simon's response. Simon begged, Peter, please pray to God for me. Plead with him so that nothing you just said over me may come to pass. Ask God. Those things the enemy wants to have happen in my life? No. Why would it be something that you could you can plead for God? He could said, plead to God for me. He didn't know God good yet. He was still a baby Christian. He'd be saved maybe a week, maybe a month. Maybe all summer. Woo. How many goof-offs have you made since you got saved a month and then to now? How many absolute fall on your face, flat on your face, wow, God, I messed up bad. He didn't stone anybody. He didn't fall dead like like Ananias and Sapphira. He still had an option. The scriptures stop here. We don't know anything else 
about Simon, the former sorcerer. I hope he became an evangelist. I hope he went out and saved billions, multitudes. We don't know. We'll find out in glory. But the question is, I just read the scriptures. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this? It's real. I'm amazed at how attentive everyone is. And I'm amazed at how quiet it is. Do you recognize that that's the presence of God in this room? Talking to each one of you? Saying, what's your response? What's your response? So there are a couple of responses we can have. You can get up today and leave and go out and have a great lunch and fellowship with your friends and never think about this sermon again and just go, check this off. I just, just look at how good I was. I was at church this morning. That's an option. How many times have we done that? Or we can really take hold of the truth that's here. We need revival just like the Samaritans did. We need it. And not just we, but our city needs it. Our nation needs it. Our world needs it. Perhaps we were brought here for such a time as this. Perhaps this is our time. Perhaps you can make a decision right now. God, I will do what you ask me to do. What does that look like for you? I don't know. I know what it looks like for me. It means I'm not going to hold my tongue when God tells me to speak. It means... I'm going to encourage everybody I can. It means I'm going to support my pastor in fulfilling his vision. It means when he says we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, and we're going to do it with all our hearts. It means when he says we're going someplace, then we're going someplace. I believe God has amazing things for this church body. I know he has. He's given me glimpses of the plans that he has for this church. I'm going to go back. Listen again. I heard the updates at 4, 5, 6, and 10. But I say to you, you have not seen my news come to pass in the earth realm. Not yet. My news is good news. Salvation's. Miracles, healings, restorations, blessings, and glory. Yes and amen. These news announcements are coming and even are here, but have not yet hit the news cycles. But they will, for they will see, be so prevalent that the news will be irrelevant if they do not speak of it, and so they must. And the newscasters themselves will become a part of my glory story. So get ready. It's about to burst forth. For where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and you are in this place. We welcome you. We are listening to what you have to say. I am so grateful, Lord that you saved us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his blood. Jesus, thank you for coming. And Jesus, thank you for going so that Holy Spirit could come and indwell us. 
If Holy Spirit has not yet been invited in to you, if you've not yet said, Holy Spirit, I want you, I want you in all your fullness, then I'm going to invite you, if you want to raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. By the confession of our mouths, we say Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you're Lord. You're Lord. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Jesus, be Lord of my day. Be Lord of my night. Be Lord of my thoughts. I renounce every part of the kingdom of darkness in every place that the kingdom of darkness has had a hold on me, I run them out. I rebuke them and say, no more. I will not submit to the kingdom of darkness any longer. I submit only to Jesus, the anointed one, and the kingdom for which he stands, the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, we invite you, I invite you to come in and dwell in me. Fill me up. Let me become a vessel for your glory. However that looks to you, God, I yield to it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.